Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. We remember the good movies, we remember a few of the really bad movies, and then we forget everything else in between, you know? And there's also movies, remember that that one time we were uh, talking about these movies that we didn't even know existed from like the late 2000s, like early 2010s? Uh-huh. It was just like yeah. a baffling, featuring like pretty well-known yeah. actors and things like that? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and of course there are certain time periods where you that you can point to and say this was a very good period of time in this from this whether it be in American cinema or, or somewhere else that they were making this type of movie very well you know like you could point to the 70s and being like kind of like these these gritty crime dramas or character studies were very good from that period horror movies very good from this period and so on and so on and etc you know action movies very good in the 80s type of thing uh there's that's that's definitely a thing where like there's like a golden era for a particular style of movie uh but any decade you look at the overall quality is about the same more or less you know we're getting some really shitty blockbusters these days but Okay, that's just one type of movie. Well, I'd also argue that uh, blockbusters are not uh, anything. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a genre. That's for sure. Well, and that's something people have complained about, like every single year that movies have existed in the yeah. the modern era. That's not a like a fresh concept, and that's always right. going to happen. Like that's a perpetual right type of uh, thought. I mean, also, too, I think, obviously, like, at any given time, there's, particularly now what's going on with, like, writer strikes and actor strikes and these fears of AI writing movies and stuff. I think those are genuine concerns. Uh, And there's definitely, like, certain problems that any, that that are specific to certain time periods in filmmaking. Uh, But at the same time, like you hear like these like kind of like old guard of, of directors like who are getting on like Scorsese and Spielberg and stuff saying like uh, the adult mat- mature drama is just disappearing from the cinema, which is not entirely true. Like you can't complain about like the Fablemans is not a hit and like Steel Spielberg complains about it. like sorry that people didn't want to go see a movie about your childhood, dude, and how much you love movies personally. Yeah, the Steven know? Spielberg origin story. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but at the same time, like what has gotten a lot better, you know, for stories like that is like long format television. You know? Well that's it, right? That's where that's where they they live and exist now. And I mean, right. those there are still like dramas and thrillers and things like that being put out. There's just less sure. of a focus because the big money making is like event blockbusters, superhero movies, action right. movies. Well, but it like, it, but to a certain degree, right? Like, for some of those things, that's like actually a better format, you know, yeah. to tell some of those types of stories because right. of the room to breathe that they that they provide. And, yeah, you know, for a particular like you know a ten episode show is for depending on your type of story can be a much better delivery system for than than a movie itself particularly like with now like the 
I mean, like you think of television as cheap because for a long time television was just cheap. Well, that's not the case anymore, right? So why should we turn our nose up to it as not, you know, cinema, you know, quote unquote? Uh, But it does make sense that the better stuff is just getting dumped on streaming and gets lost in the shuffle. Yes, that's hard to find that stuff when everything that's trending and is the most watched may or may not be actually good. I mean, I think that is kind of the bigger issue that I think it is. And I think this has always been an issue, but I think right now more so than definitely like, you know, 20, 30 years ago and maybe ever. I mean, but the sheer volume of stuff being produced is the problem. There is way too much stuff being produced and it's, not just like, not to say that like you know a handful of movie studios should have complete control and they you only you they decide what five movies you see a year, but it's just like so much stuff, so much crap that everything like you said is getting lost in the shuffle, and ninety percent of it is not good, right? Uh, and it's just like constantly trying to like go through like these streaming platforms and find something is exhausting so you end up not giving a shit that's the bigger problem i think right now is the quantity of uh of of things just being like pumped out and it gets much harder to find the hidden gems because everything looks so similar and generic like you can't even right you used to be able to look at a video or a DVD or watch a trailer and be like, Oh, that looks kind of interesting. Right. Uh, it has something about it, like some kind of a hook, but then there's like 50 pieces of content that look similar. And then they're also presented in similar ways. So they're all like, I mean, I, I don't want to sing single out like shutter specifically, but I can speak with some authority on this. There's tons of movies on shutter that have super fucking cool uh, thumbnail images or like mm-hmm. artwork associated with it, and then the movie is just like the like blandest, most uninteresting, like oh, generic yeah, piece totally. of shit you've ever seen, right? Totally. And it's like oh, like and now, but now I can't tell them apart because they all have that. They all have right. this super cool like airbrush, like throwback movie poster style thumbnail. And it's like, okay, well, I can't sit here and like go through every single one. But if I watch the first like two seconds of the trailer, I can already see like it's not going to be very good. Well, the way I kind of liken it to is like, you know, I remember being a kid, right? And I had 20 bucks, right? And I wanted to go to the record store and buy some, some, some CDs, uh, and there was, I had enough money for one or two and I, but there was five I wanted. So I ended up buying nothing cause I couldn't decide, mm-hmm. you know, cause I knew I wasn't going to have 20 bucks again anytime soon. Right. I feel a lot of times the same way when I'm like trying to decide what to watch, you know, there's, there's just so many options and I'm just like, uh, I just won't watch anything. I'll just put on YouTube videos. Yeah. You know, while I do something else, because I don't want to waste time trying to trying to trying to figure it out. You know, so that's another problem. And like I wanted wanted to say too, like I know I just said the thing about backtracking a little bit about like how you know uh, longer format television is a a better venue for some of these types of stories. Uh, That being said, like I love going to the movies. 
there are definitely movies that are like much better or at least even if they're not like quote unquote better like that is the ideal way to see them is on a big screen you know like i know you didn't like nope very much which is a movie i love but like i think you could agree that's definitely a movie you want to see on a theater if you're going to see it you know yeah you're 100 percent right there's so many movies that i regret not seeing in the theater like Mm -hmm. and i wish that i would have because you can even even when you watch them on streaming or even on Blu-ray right. or something like you can tell you're like oh this would have been awesome in a movie theater. Yeah. Oh yeah, like I watched like I watched watching that one again at home. Still a great movie, but like there's something genuinely like missing from from the overall experience, you know. Yeah, and I can actually like even though I did have like a mixed feeling about that movie, I can sort of I think I know what you're you're getting at as far yeah. as like this specific moments and sequences and things from that movie. Right. I mean, that was just the, that was just the movie that came to my mind about like what's a movie that I saw recently in the theater or relatively recently in the theater that was like this had to be a, like a movie going experience to to fully fully get the most out of it type of thing. Uh, but yeah, there's lots of examples. You know what I mean? Like there's so there's so many. Like I mean, imagine. If you if you didn't see Jurassic Park, you know, in a theater and you just saw it on TV for the that was the first time you saw it, like still good, but you're missing something. Yeah, definitely. Or like, uh, for example, uh, Renfield. Exactly right. You know, that movie was miles ahead in the theater. I which you, you <laughs> I did actually see it in the theater. Unfortunately, I was being facetious on that one. I'm very surprised at your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I was being facetious too. It is there was there is no reason to see that movie. There's no. no reason to see that movie, really. Period. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely not. no reason to see it in a movie other than like one night I was like, I want to go to the movies. This is playing. Yeah, I want to see Nicolas Cage be Dracula. No, I wish I would have seen uh, the Batman. Yeah. Oh in the, yeah. In the theater, I think that yeah, been very cool. It was very cool in the theater. Um, but that's just the way it is, you know. A lot of my favorite movies. I saw as a little kid and I uh, never even had a chance to see them in the theater because they came out before I was born. Oh man, you know what I would have liked to have seen in the theater is fucking No Escape starring Ray Liotta. Yeah. I think that would have been very cool to see at a movie theater. Yeah. But, but it's uh it's not possible unless they no. invent time travel specifically for movies. You know what movies I didn't see in the movie theater? is any of the movies we're going to be talking about today. Same. Um, Welcome to the Trash Heap podcast, by the way. This is the show where we're given uh, Discarded Gems a second chance, and we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. That's Elliot, and I'm Keith, and that's how you introduce a podcast 15 minutes in. Uh, you should do the intros every time because that was much better. Than it's when funnier I when you do it. <laughs> Sometimes it's you remember it's, what it is, and other times you don't. It's sadder when I do it. Like it's <laughs> pathetic when I do it. It's like, oh, look at this! They let this guy with dementia on the podcast. How sweet, you know? Like, uh, I was yeah. on uh, high school radio like uh, two or three times, so you know, I got the the chops for you broadcasting. got those broadcasting chops. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you I really... could do the top of the hour uh, station IDs and uh, send it to the ad roll and blah, 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 blah. There you go, man. You're you're all on it, man. Yeah. Well, let's see. So today we are going to be talking about a couple movies. We're also if it's mainly we're you know paying tribute to a 
to somebody uh, who just passed away, who I think was influential on both of us growing up, right? I was thinking about like what the impact really is here. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, uh, Paul Rubens, most commonly known for his role as Pee Wee Herman. I watched the show Pee Wee's Playhouse, but I wasn't, I didn't sort of hang my hat on it in the way a lot of mm. kids did. But it was like seeing Pee Wee's Big Adventure and the lasting effect that that movie had, as well as like, I, I think in a lot of ways, that movie like really shaped my sense of humor and yeah. is sort of like one of those movies like, I can't let go of even as an adult, it still has such a like such a relevance and like a power. So I am like growing up Pee-wee's Playhouse, a whole thing. I was a Pee-wee like nut. I had Pee-wee pajamas. I had act action figures. Uh, I had the I color didn't know form that about set. You. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, and I honestly, I can't even remember like what, if I saw, I might've seen Pee-Wee's Big Adventure first before the show, maybe even, but I can't recall a hundred percent. Probably not. Um, but I saw that like really, really early as well. Um, which this, that's the movie predates the show like by a year or two, a couple of years. But like, that was like, I would have been, I definitely didn't see it when it came out. Cause I only would have been like three years old when that it actually came out i also don't like you know when people say like what's your favorite movie or whether this like i don't really like that question because i don't know i think it's weird like to have a singular favorite movie and i think there's two types of people when people answer that like they say stuff that like they're what's their, their favorite movie that week where it's just like oh i just saw this movie it's my favorite movie or it's just like i'm holding on to this one movie forever right yeah i find it a little bit easier when you get into like subgenres or something where it's like not even like what's your favorite horror movie but like what's your favorite horror movie about two weirdos in a lighthouse like oh the lighthouse you know but i can say with complete confidence unequivocally peewee's big adventure is my favorite comedy of all time it might be one of the it's it's arguably in like the top five greatest comedies of all even if you don't think it's funny like even if it's not your type of sense like sense of humor as a movie it's like a true like epic yeah like it's an incredible story as a like creative person like you don't get opportunities to make something that magical like very often in your life yeah. like the pairing of uh, Paul Rubens and Phil Hartman, who uh, co-wrote it, and uh, Tim Burton. It was really like a sort of like aligning. Tim Burton's first movie. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. I listened to a an interview, not an interview, is a panel where Paul Rubens was telling the story of how he uh, got Tim Burton for that movie, and it's a long meandering like. Yeah, I think I've heard that too. Goofy story. Yeah. But the big takeaway that I got from it was uh, I didn't realize that uh, Frankenweenie yeah. was originally a short that he created. Yeah. I had no idea. He kept, Paul Rubens kept mentioning Frankenweenie, and I was like, he must mean Beetlejuice. Right, because like <laughs> Frankenweenie came out, like the movie movie came out like, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, or 2012. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then I did yeah. some reading about it, and I was like, oh, 
he had this short that he created and was shopping it around and showing it to people. That's wild. Which that short's really good, too. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to check it out now. Like, it was really interesting hearing the story of how, like, Paul Rubens, like, bought a book about directors because he was like, I need somebody to direct my movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you hear the story, it sounds like just like complete nonsense of how how it went down. But um, and we're I mean, obviously, we're here more to talk about uh, his uh, because this is the trashy podcast, not talk about his hits, but about about his uh, his lesser loved movies. So like Big Top Pee Wee and Pee Wee's Big Holiday. But just like I think to cover all the bases and really establish like why, you know, I think a lot of people have been really hit by his passing is like that movie, that show were so completely realized. You know what I mean? Like Pee Wee Herman as a character is so realized and not just, it's not just a weird character who does something weird. Like it feels like a real person almost, you know? And I, I think it's kind of like, you know, where you ever met like a kid, like an actual kid in real life who by all accounts seems like pretty like basic and normal where it's just like, Oh yeah, I like this thing. I like dinosaurs. I'm on the little league team. I collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Like, Oh yeah. What's your favorite movie? He's like blue velvet, you know, that kid exists somewhere. And like, so you can imagine this peewee character existing somewhere too, kind of almost. Uh, and I think that's maybe why this is hits people as big as it is. Cause you didn't just lose Paul Rubens. You lost peewee Herman. Peewee Herman died. Yeah. You know, because yeah, I'm usually not really super affected by the deaths of celebrities, even celebrities I admire, because I don't know them, you know? No, but uh, he he really created something special. Yeah. And with characters, you know, you can often come to feel, like, more connected to them than re- real people. I mean, maybe not real people that you know, but definitely, like, just a celebrity or something. Because, like, it's why we cry when somebody dies in a movie, you know? It's because we've gone on a journey with them, and we've experienced things with them, and they've... We've related to them in ways you cannot relate to just some random stranger who happens to be famous. Yeah, and in the, in this circumstance, like sometimes we talk about how people make you know certain aspects of pop culture their personality, but in your formative years, when you consume something like like a Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right. it does shape like your sense of humor and kind mm-hmm. of like a way like a way that you like process the world. Absolutely. And just like when we say sense of humor, and maybe this is why it's my favorite comedy, and I just kind of hit, like, got lucky in in seeing it at the right time and development or whatever. But, like, to me, if I'm talking about, com- like, I love comedies, comedies are great, nothing against comedies. If I look about, like, what are my favorite movies, very few of them are comedies. Because to me, a lot of times, comedies kind of exist in the time that they were created and aren't meant to last very long. Yes. You know what I mean? Like comedy gets dated very quickly, whether it's not, not just comedy that's perhaps like solely topical, like political comedy or commentary on something of the moment. But I mean, it's just like, go back to the fifties, you know, what are the jokes about? Like, ah, my wife likes to shop, you know, like, well, that's not funny anymore for a lot of reasons, you know? W- so women funny. do be shopping though they do be shopping it's true <laughs> you know it's just not a laughing matter you know <laughs> peewee like and particularly peewee's big adventure the the comedy in that has nothing to do with the sensibilities of the time per se you know no a lot of it is i don't i don't know if i would wholly call it timeless but yeah 
if there is a movie that is timeless, like this is about as close as you can get because it is, it's not contingent on a bunch of pop culture references or slang of the time or anything like that. Like it is very like, it's about characters and environments and situations. And like one of my favorite gags is the, when Pee Wee is with the convict driving the curb convertible and he's driving through the night and eventually the the signs of the curved road eventually just turns in this crazy jumble of like yeah. uh zigzags and like you know like someone just like drew randomly with a marker mm-hmm. that is hilarious and until maybe in a time before uh highways and freeways or at some point after that will stop being funny but right. as long as we have those very familiar road signs that's always going to be hilarious. Well, I mean, it's also just just like the very conceit of the character itself. Like so much of the comedy comes from just like this weird man child who no one treats him as if he's odd, you know? Yeah. And that is the great thing about it. It's just like this incredibly, it's how straight it's played. And this incredibly weird character just kind of like walks in and out of everything. And everyone's just like very accepting of it. And just in terms of like, yeah, like filmmaking and you say like, the rareness to make these types of stories and how this is a true epic. But beyond that, like the balancing in tone, particularly in Pee Wee's big adventure is executed so well that like the, the, between the surreal and the real, which is something hard to do. I mean, like it's amazing. And like the the other two movies we'll be talking about, like they might do it, you know, successfully here and there, but not to the same extent. No, it's almost flawless. Like, we completely accept that not only does this person exist in this world, but everybody else does too, and every single, almost every single scenario is completely plausible. Yes. And fits. But it also, like, you get those emotional sort of peaks and valleys of, like, even for this world, something fantastical did just happen. And I wonder, too, because I was just kind of like, I was thinking about this last night, kind of like trying to find like a a comparison of like, well, what's another type of thing that kind of balances these, these types of like normal world, surreal world, you know, type of thing. And I kind of kept like thinking of David Lynch movies and Twin Peaks and stuff. And it's interesting because they're kind of both somewhat influenced by the same pop culture and like time periods and oddities that peewees is you know there's a lot of visual uh connective tissue of like the thing of like like old-timey diners and like despite them being like very different like in like subject matter and whatnot there are some similar tones between them you know and i wonder if it's like just so having pulling from those source materials and those inspirations translated well into this kind of like surreal like twisted version of a Norman Rockwell painting. Well, and that's it, right? It is just like these like notions of Americana, like right. th- the like suburbia and diners and roadside attractions and uh, tour guides and movie studios and even like man that the self referential like like movie making exists in this world and then eventually mm-hmm. the story is so incredible that it gets made into a movie and then yeah. we're watching it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is something that's been done a lot since then. But like, it was kind of a novel idea, I think, at the time. You know, I can't really think of anything prior to it that that does it. And I'm sure there might be like one or two examples. Um, 
because obviously we reference like things like Scream and Last Action Hero, right? But uh, I know there's a couple. But of... I mean, those are after you know, like after after Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure. Yeah, but I know there is there are examples uh, here and there, uh, and it's like the only the kind of thing that you do like the stroke of brilliance you experience early on when you have a fresh right. idea and the energy to kind of see it through. Right. We, right. we've talked about a lot of directors and writers and things like that who like, they have their one good idea and it's a home run. And then that was where they peaked. Yeah. And I mean, there could be other environmental factors going on too. I mean, even times a lot of like big directors are beholden to certain like demands of the times or like studio demands of like, of a particular era or converse of that is when they become too big and too, they have too much power and they stop questioning any of their ideas and they think everything they do is brilliant and it just becomes indulgent, you know, uh, where this movie, it's kind of crazy to say that Pee Wee's big adventure feels restrained in comparison to a lot of other stuff Tim Burton's made, you know, even yeah. though it's so weird, it's, restrained in comparison to some of the other uh, Pee Wee movies that have come out, you know, like it's, it, it, it doesn't outwear it's welcome in any given scene, you know, and like, and it just keeps, it doesn't have filler. And that's where like, it's the, just the perfect storm of all the people involved. Right. Cause yeah. for the sequel, big top Pee Wee, Phil Hartman did not co-write it. Right. And uh, I don't know who it was directed by. It was the same guy who directed Grease and the Blue Lagoon. I know that. I can't tell you what his name is. Why am I not shocked? Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, I have no frame of reference for that. And then the guy who directed Pee-wee's Big Holiday is like someone who's a TV guy who directs episodes of like Comedy Bang Bang and Wonder Shows and, and, okay, and, and, and stuff like that. Now, we're not here really to talk about Pee-wee's Big Adventure forever. I do think it's kind of funny that is kind of like considered a cult classic even though there's nothing really cult about it it was a huge hit and peewee was like a gigantic phenomenon when it happened but yeah i mean i guess yeah i mean like i don't want to like harp on like his scandal or anything but i mean like i think all that kind of oh well let's just get it out of the way i i really don't want to like get too deep into it but yes paul rubens has the coolest Hollywood mugshot of all time. Okay. <laughs> There's something that's actually he looks always awesome per- in it. Perplexed me is like how quickly he had grown his hair out in between seasons of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Very impressive. That, that was that was the that was the crazy thing. But no, but I think because of that, I think like he would fit that? right in on the like the diehard like terrorist squad. Oh yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, holy shit, what a cool looking dude with the goatee and everything. Awesome. Yeah, but I think because of that, I think people like sometimes for like don't really recall like just how massive it what all those things were, and it seems like an oddity of the past. But anyway, but we are going to talk about an oddity of the past, which is Big Top Pee Wee, and then an oddity of the present, which is. Pee-wee's Big Holiday. That's what we're really here to talk about. Yeah, Big Top Pee-wee. I just watched this for the very first time. I had never seen Big Top Pee-wee, and I didn't really have any interest in it either. Interesting. See, okay, this is actually crazy, because I don't think that movie is is as good as Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But, I mean, like, yeah, we just talked about how amazing it is. Like, that's those are big shoes to fill. I think... Big Top Pee Wee is very underrated overall. 
Uh, I really like it. And if you, if even if you look and compare it to like uh, the newer one, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, if you just like look on IMDb, like Big Holiday has like a 6.2 or something out of 10 stars. And like Big Top only has like a five or a 5.1, or maybe it might even be lower than that. Uh, and I don't understand completely why I think certainly it has to do with the fact it's kind of weird because, you know, Pee-wee's Big Adventure comes out. It's not really a kid's movie per se, right? His character that he did, you know, the, the kind of led up, you know, his like stand up character that he did that led to the movie is not, is a, was actually acted more like a little kid, but was not a kid. It was not a jokes for kids. And then he does a kid show right after that, after these things that really catapults him even higher into stardom. And then he does big top Pee-wee, which is not a kid's movie, you know? Well, so I did some reading cause I was curious about the, the phenomenon behind the, like the origins of the character. Yeah. And apparently when he started doing the, when he had that first run of sold out shows, mm-hmm. uh, when he first started performing as Pee-wee, he did two shows there was one like an early show that was sort of all ages, and uh-huh. then there was the the evening show, which was the like the body and kind of subversive version. Which I had no idea about that. Yeah, which was the the later show was obviously adapted into the HBO right. uh, special or whatever that kind of a lot of people know as the the bodier version. But then I guess the the kind of pared down version was what they kind of adapted into uh the show mm-hmm. that's, so that yeah, was pretty that's, interesting yeah like he really like i mean the the whole origin of the character is interesting too like there's tons of interviews with paul rubens talking about like how he was you know working with the groundlings and right uh he was having trouble kind of uh doing the things that he wanted to do so he started working on this character and kind of went all in on it and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a hodgepodge of all these different influences and ideas but um <laughs> the contrast between big adventure and big top it is like the adult themes right and i think i think i kind of even remember like a little bit of that at the time when it came out like adults talking about or seeing it on the news as a kid being like like oh children's star blah 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 makes this raunchy you know, sexual innuendo filled uh, movie. Like, like this isn't for kids, like, but acting like he had only ever been for kids type of thing, which to a certain degree, like I get, but at the same time, it's like, you can't just expect everything to be consistent with what your little individual piece of knowledge is, you know? Yeah, definitely. But I can also see like, you know, you have this property that's, largely presented as four kids on television right. and then kids right. are going to look at it and be like oh, i want to go see that oh sure Absolutely. so i guess if you're like a you know big baby well, adult parent the, like you're here's the other thing this is also the era when they were marketing robocop action figures to kids yeah, and rambo you know and stuff so it's like you know like there was a weird t- time period where it's just like Hey kids, you know that movie you weren't allowed to see? Well, here's the action figure just yeah. for you. You Let's know, create this demand for your interest in the like, adult v- ultra violent property. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
But it's but pretty I, tame in in terms of adult themes. I think it's pretty tame. There's it is, some like, gags when, and when we say it's like, like that, raunchy but... and innuendo filled, it's like it's it's still a PG movie, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that if this movie had come out directly after Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and not after the children's show had come out like if the order was switched up i think it would have been better received i think there probably would have been like a lot of like oh it's not as good as the first one which it's not but i don't think the absolute like ringing it got would have would have would have happened i think it would have been a much like it would be more beloved now yeah and it's funny too because when we were first conceiving this podcast this was one of the movies i always had in my mind of, of doing for the show just really because it was a movie. yeah because it was a movie i really liked that's kind of universally considered not great or even sometimes hated and i and i when i watch the movie i really want to hear what you don't like about it because when i watch the movie there's so many things in it that i think are so funny or like are just like or fun set pieces or ideas and whatnot i do think there is some fun to be had here i just think that overall it's just not it's what you would expect as far as like a tv show getting turned into a movie mm-hmm. like it's pretty it's pretty f- unremarkable and doesn't really sort of like hit the high notes but i think there is some fun and silly gags i mean right off the bat though i was like oh this isn't a sequel this is just another peewee Hearn right. story because inexplicably he's living on a farm by himself and that is one of the things I, I like, the fact that there is, like, there is no notion of continuity. Like, the events of Pee-wee's Big Adventure have never occurred in the world of Big Top Pee-wee. Right. Which is something I really like. I'm fine with that, but I'm also, like, there was a sort of curiosity to Pee-wee's existence. Because here's a guy who seemingly has the personality of a child, but he is obviously a grown man he's clearly hyper intelligent in some ways and capable and he lives by himself and so how does he like what is his whole deal and you're kind of wondering even after everything that he does and goes through but in in big top it's immediately just sort of they start explaining things away and even though they don't get too deep into his backstory he's like living on a farm and he's like a botanist the only thing and he went to community college to learn how to do agricultural junior college yeah that's right that is the only thing we know about his backstory whatsoever well and it was just enough that it like sort of stuck in my craw i was like hey Uh wait a second like because now i'm asking questions that i didn't really care about before right i'm like wait a second how does that work and not in like a like a awe-inspired way in more of a like what the fuck's going on here why does he live on a farm why does he have all these animals why if he also if he is a farmer and a scientist why is he wearing a tuxedo why isn't he wearing like uh overalls with like a red ascot or something a handkerchief well, see, this these same questions exist in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. If Absolutely you them, not. If you allowed him to be there, why does he live in a magic house with uh, all these weird gadgets? Uh, why does he have a, 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 a like a like a bicycle that should have been designed by NASA? You know, uh, where does he get money? 
what does he do? Blah, 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 blah. All these things are, are, are there too. Now I do think, like we said before, the tone of the surreal and the, and the real is balanced the best in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And it doesn't, it's not quite as good in uh, Big Top Pee-wee, which is maybe why some of these questions come up. Because, particularly because like the fantastical parts of this are even more fantastical. There's like mermaids and tiny little people and talking pigs and things you know somehow those aspects are very bland to me yeah they feel like pieces of a movie not aspects of a world and especially the talking i liked the pig i was fine with the pig and the pig wearing clothes and like doing human things when the pig started talking i I don't know. It's kind of lost me on that it's one. It's weird because when the pig, the point where the pig starts talking, right? The yeah. Pig doesn't, it doesn't start talking in the first scene and it doesn't start talking like two thirds of the way through the movie and then everyone just goes like, huh, you can talk, you know? Yeah. It's like five or 10 minutes in, right? I wish that he would have, in, he, he would have given the pig like a form, like he would have been talking to the pig for a while and then gotten frustrated and then given him like a formula or something or a special pig right. food that would have given him the ability to talk and been uh, like that's better or it's like you know when he talks to his dog in the in, in Pee-wee's big adventure where he, he like, understands the barks right he goes i know i know exactly I forgot. You know? and that's yeah. why it works because it's it works. a man talking to a dog and understanding the bark <laughs> it's better i'm not like i'm not arguing that it's not better well in, that's the problem yeah. i had is like every at every turn i have an example of like a better way to okay, do this but right but i mean like we're talking like high watermark not just high watermark in world of peewee we're talking high watermark in the world of cinema period when it was you but know? it was it was very hard to separate that in this yeah. case because it is a grown man in a tuxedo on yeah. a farm and it's there's a significant lack of whimsy maybe the in that whole opening i love the dream sequence i thought the dream sequence was hilarious Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, it's a dream sequence is great. I was like, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, wait a second. Is Pee Wee in this universe? Is he a heartthrob trying to right. escape like his uh, life of stardom and like so start over a in the country? Yeah. Or joins the circus or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The answer is no. He's just yeah. having a dream. Well, all the, three Pee Wee movies start with a dream sequence. Right. You the know. Abraham Lincoln disguise. Pee-wee the pop star is disguising himself as Abraham Lincoln to avoid his fans. And his fa- and then the other people are like rushing up to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, the fan is like, oh my God, Abraham Lincoln, I love you. They're like, look, it's Abraham Lincoln. Can I get your autograph? That's great. There's lots yeah. of moments like that where I was like, oh, like there he is. There's my, there's my Pee-wee. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is definitely definitely true right i mean like concisely as an overall movie not as good i still like it as an overall movie but so there are moments that are some of my favorite peewee moments of all time within that movie like the whole like i I made your favorite lunch bit you know and that uh, that bit's very funny yeah i don't know that a lot of that stuff as a characterization doesn't feel like peewee to me like, mm. even though there is this sort of, like, demented side, Pee-wee playing the sort of, like, uh, bumbling lover yeah. to these women 
is very strange. Well, see, this is another thing I kind of like too, because like we talked about like the continuity and the continuity of this world doesn't exist. Like Pee Wee's Playhouse doesn't exist in the Pee Wee's Big Adventure world or the Big Top Pee Wee world. Big Top Pee Wee doesn't exist in either one of either. Um, same with like his stage persona and his late night persona. Like we, t- the character is fully realized, but he's always kind of has the ability to be malleable and different at the same time. Like his late night persona was much more like, this is just a kid, right? This is an adult pretending to be a kid where Pee Wee's Big Adventure is like, what is he? You know, is he an adult? Is he in a child? I don't know. Well, right? in, in normal situations, like familiar adult situations, he would sort of zig and zag and like you right. wouldn't know where he's going, right? right. Like in Big Adventure, when uh, Dottie is showing romantic interest, like he couldn't care less. He cares about right. his bike. He does like her as a friend and says as much, which is okay, cool. That's uh, something someone would do. But he also like... Instead of being like, I don't want to date you, relation, blah, 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 he gives this speech about, like, you know, he's saying, like, these ridiculous things about being a loner and a rebel. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of, he's going in a completely different direction. Yeah. And in this case, he's like, "Uh oh, I'm a bad boyfriend because I don't know what. He's not just a completely, just a bad boyfriend. He's a total, like, horn dog, you know? Like, he's the horniest Pee-wee of all time, you know? Yeah, that's super which, weird, too. Which, he did use that in his stage show a little bit. Like, he'd, like, put, like, mirrors on his on his shoes to look up Miss Yvonne's skirt and stuff. Uh, oh, weird. Yeah, so, that's I mean, super it's... super pervy. It is super pervy, <laughs> right? And I like the fact that, like, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, he's, like, he's completely disinterested in, 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 in women. And this one, he's, like like has this insatiable like lust you know like throughout the movie it's it's definitely different but it's like juxtaposing particularly juxtaposing them together it actually makes both movies funnier to me a little bit you know it's a weird priority but i can also see like this is kind of like a like an oddball like this is the type of movie that i feel like if you saw this one first Mm -hmm. uh, it would be your favorite or you could be like, you saw this, maybe not even be your favorite, but you're like, I saw this one, it was really good, and I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it was even better, but you wouldn't have, like, the disappointment of the follow-up. Yeah. You know? See, that's always the thing, right? It's like, when the second one is not as good, people are like, oh, it's not as good, bleh, right? When the, when the, when the second one's better, which doesn't happen too often, but when it does, you don't lose love for the first one, you just have more love overall, right? Yeah. Uh, which I understand why that happens, but it's just still kind of an interesting phenomenon, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I, maybe that's my overall... Like, I was less interested in what everyone was trying to accomplish in this movie mm-hmm. uh, as far as the circus is concerned. And then also, a lot of the, the gags and jokes and things weren't like... Uh, such a unexpected left turn. Like, they weren't such a... Like, uh... You know, like when Pee Wee breaks up with his uh, fiance, and then she is dating all four of the tumblers. Yeah, like that's a, f- a funny gag, but it's also like it's a very like I don't want to say it's like a by the numbers, but it is like it's not too far off. Like I wasn't like completely mind blown. Uh, you know, when she said that. I mean, yeah, but even Pee Wee's Big Adventure, it kind of hits all the classic like adventure story you know 
beats, you know, like we meet kid with bike, next scene, kid loses bike, journey for bike, kid gets bike back, but now it's even more dire than it was before. You know, it's it's, at its most dangerous point. These are all kind of classic uh, elements of adventure storytelling, you're right? Well, right, but like uh, when Pee Wee chains up his bike to the clown, first mm-hmm. of all, why does he chain it to the clown, right? That's right. already like a, huh? Why didn't he just chain it to, uh, you know, something heavier or uh, a normal bike uh, thingy? Uh, what are those called? Bike racks? Yeah, a bike rack. Yeah, you said it. Uh, and then after it's stolen, and the, the the chain is impossibly long, right? Like it's the yeah. insane, absurdly long chain. And you, it's what's, and it's also great because you can actually see the hole in the bottom of the chain bucket. So you can see the chain being fed, that it's not all in the bucket. You can see it being fed through type of thing. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, it's just like a, there's, a, there's a couple little quick little glances, and it's re- I believe it's intentional, too. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. The, the, there's no question, no question. The, the majority of jokes are better in, in Pee-wee's, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, there's a scene where... Uh, Pee-wee's new love interest is taking him on the elephant ride. Mm-hmm. Am I to understand that him riding in the back is supposed to be a gag? Like, was I supposed to laugh at that? I don't think so. Okay. It seemed like they lingered on that shot for a while, and I was like, is this, was... do you think this is a joke? No, I kind of was just like, oh, that's so he can, like, put his arms around her, yeah. and, you know, you can see them hanging out and falling in love, blah, 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 blah. I didn't like not take that as that as a gag in and of itself. When she eventually slaps him in the face, mm-hmm. and he has that hand slap, <laughs> yes. like that handprint, yeah, is on from the what we can assume is like the middle of the afternoon until well after dark, like yeah. until dinner time. That's hilarious. It is very. funny. I thought that was that, really funny. That's really funny. The whole like cheese sandwich bit is really funny. Yeah. Particularly like it just at the end where he's like this this big ordeal of like, oh, everything stops for Pee Wee. Here's your sandwich. Here's your pickle. Are you happy now? And he just goes, "Uh uh-huh. Well, that's another thing is like he has so many antagonists in this town. Yeah. Why does he live there? It doesn't matter. This town comprised entirely of him, a bunch of grumpy old people, three kids, and a school teacher. And they're seemingly like trapped in a time warp. Yes. Like they are like anachronistically placed here in like some kind of an old timey like town where they keep pickles in barrels still. I mean, meanwhile, he's doing advanced botany and chemistry to solve the world's hunger problems. I mean, that's present in all Pee Wee things is some sort of anachronistic, like you said, element, including Big Adventure, very much so in a big holiday you know big adventure like look at the buxtons and their palaces you know and like which there has another character like francis who you're like is what's his deal is he an adult is he a child i don't know no he's just a spoiled rich guy that makes sense i will say there's still one joke i do not get to this day and it's like haunted me for years and that's when peewee gives them gum to francis and his dad yeah and obviously francis gets the one with the black shit in it and it's uh-huh. all gross looking. What does the dad get? Because he just he eats the gum and starts it's, screaming. It's Is spicy. that it? It's spicy, yeah. My entire life, like I've been like, 
I don't know what the read is here. Like I don't I don't get it. Well, you know, that's I think... the only misfire in the history of P in that an a, a mo- an entire movie that is like just right. bangers like scene after scene is incredible. Think, that's I the one that's... misfire. <laughs> Is that's a piece that perhaps is a little dated because we didn't grow up in an era where trick gum existed, really, right? Did you ever own trick gum? No, but you know, there's still like magic shops may not be much of a thing, but costume shops with props right. and things like that are still a thing. At least yeah, on, I, here on the West Coast, I think trick gum was more of a thing, like in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, definitely. 60s. I remember like my dad talking about how he would eat the spicy trick gum just because he thought liked it, you know. Yeah. He goes, it wasn't actually that spicy, and you know, it was he liked the flavor. Of, but now of you it. can get all of your like little prank doodads and stuff, like um, you know, fake poo or like uh, stink bombs. You can just get those on Amazon. That's true. But back in the fifties, they were using real poo. Right. They were taking yeah, the, real poo the and joke setting, was setting that it you would in get a flame. <laughs> yeah. Flame. I've heard like that like the that gum with the black gum stuff that with the like actually stains your mouth for days. That's hilarious. Like, these, these are not these are not light pranks, you know. These yeah. aren't whoopee cushions. These are like serious like we'll get you would get into jail type pranks today. That's very funny. So Pee-wee in this movie is doing a bunch of chemistry. He's growing like hot dog trees, which are kind of right. funny. And he's trying to solve world hunger. Okay, that makes sense. Sort of. And then a circus blows into his backyard. Where the hell did they come from? Well, they're a traveling circus. Right. They're coming through town. Big storm hits. You know, they're, they're, they get like blown away into the, into, onto the farm. I mean, it's it's pretty. They they explain how that happens. It's just not very funny. Well, that's not the funny part. The funny part is the hijinks that ensue after that. Well, like what Chris Christopherson like sleepwalking his way through uh, all of his lines. Is that the fun hijinks uh, I'm supposed the part, to be enjoying? The part, where, the part where Chris Christopherson flubs his lines and they just keep it in the they movie. They left because... it in the movie. It's hilarious, hilarious because they're like, like that's funny. He's he he called him the wrong name and then like goes uh 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 and fixes it like as if nothing happened and we're not supposed to notice. And it's so obviously a mistake. I'm glad you like that. I'm and, not bothered by it, but yeah. it's just like a head scratching type yeah. moment. No, that is that is top tier. If you ask me, I don't know. Like maybe watch it again like next year after. Because you said you'd never seen it before. You only have the memory of the Playhouse and Adventure. So you're you're holding it up against that. Yeah, I was in a pretty good mood too. So I was like willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. By the time the climax rolled around, like, like I feel like I turned my head and I missed it. I had to rewatch the ending like uh, three different times. Were you drunk? Because I was like, wait a second, it just stops? No, well, he's it's, like, it's... he's doing this like bit of, uh, you know, tightrope walking. It, this is also my thing is like, we're supposed to think that uh, this kind of stupid farming theme is what saves the circus. And all of a sudden the town has changed their minds about it. The, no, the farming didn't save the circus. The magical hot dogs that turn you into children turns the cranky old people into fun young kids oh i must have missed that 
I mean, I remember the shrinking hot dogs, but I didn't realize they got all turned into children. You, no wonder wait, they were you, having so much fun. You did not see that scene? No. He like after like the the old people go down and like say like we're shutting the circus down for all these like phony violations that they make up, right? Pee Wee like takes the cocktail weenies to to their like the general store and goes. Oh hey, guys. right, yeah, and they're eating. I saw that. Right. I didn't see and them then, transform into children. What? That is the whole scene. Where were you? They they eat them and they start shrinking and fall down and like like it has a it's a very like kooky effect of them like falling out of their jackets and into big and little kids in oversized clothes and one of the kids is Screech from Saved by the Bell. How did you miss that? That is the entire scene. I don't know. I remember them. They're in the general store and he's like, "Eat up!" and then he walks out like and does his little pee wee giggle and then I don't know what happened after that. Did you like get up to go get like some potato chips and, and yeah something like that? Were you watching this scene? And you're like, man, cocktail weenies sound good. I'm yeah, I was go like, oh, some. why are and they? You know, they must have got tired of eating. Uh, I don't know, whatever the fuck they normally eat. Oh my god, I don't understand how you missed that. Yeah, that's what happened. That's what saves the town. Is he reminds the he reminds the, the old people of magic and joy. What it's like to be a kid. Wow. What it's like to be a kid. Yeah, see, yeah. this is just like a... It's like a very special episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. With a lot more horny stuff in it. Yeah, that's... The long kissing scenes are weird, man. I don't know yeah. what the hell the it's point of that was. It's funny to see Pee-wee do that. And then also, like, the <laughs> the scene where, he, like, he seals the deal and it just cuts to a shot of a train going into a tunnel and, like, mud wrestling and fireworks going off. Yeah, like, that's not... I've seen that before. That's yeah. like an existing gag. That was pretty yeah. weak. It was weird and funny. I think in the I context of being in this movie, but like it's not inherently I think it's, funny. I think it, I think the way it builds is funny because it just starts with like yes, the very, the very uh, like old, timey joke of the train going into the tunnel, right? Yeah. But then it culminates with just mud wrestling, which is like so it's subverting the gag a little bit. I guess. It's not like a killer joke or anything, but I but I think it like it succeeds on a certain level of subverting the the old cliche. I say it's it's a good movie overall. You know, it's pretty solid. I get I get laughs out of it every time. I enjoy it. I like the the send up of like these kind of old timey notions of like you know you're a kid and what do you you have you read these books about life on the farm and these things about running away and joining the circus and it, it uh. It all kind of works for me on those on those levels. Yeah, I feel like there was something in there, and like uh, the the theme of Pee Wee trying to like he really wants to be in the circus and right. like live that life, and he like he breaks up with his fiance, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I was coming with you to be in the on the road in the circus," and that's yeah. not necessarily the case. But then by the end, it is, and then he's like king of the circus. Mm-hmm. And all he does is like a tightrope walk with some farm animals. I mean, this is this movie exists in the sense where it's not like a joke, where it's played serious about like people running away and joining the circus. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's also a natural progression too, to a certain degree, because like, what are you gonna do if you make a sequel to Pee Wee's Big Adventure? You want more of the same? Exactly. You want him to go on another road trip because that's what Pee Wee's Big Holiday is, and it's, de- in my opinion, definitely the weakest of the three. I still like it, but 
it does feel like we're just like treading the same ground again. I did not watch it. Am I to understand that uh, in that one, Pee Wee is Pee Wee Herman, the media phenomenon? No, he's he's just Pee Wee. Once again, no continuity to the other movies. Uh, people refer to him as the the as a child a lot too. In this in this one, like sort of, they're like you're the nicest boy in all town, you know, type of thing. Uh, so it is less. Cl- it is. It's still like his his what age he's supposed to be is even more ambiguous, which is funnier because he's even older type of thing. Uh, but oh, as an overall movie, it is it is it's another road trip movie and him getting hijinks on the road for different reasons. He's not. He's not a. He's not looking for his lost bike. So the premise for this one, if you haven't seen it, is he lives in a small town called like, I don't know, like Greatville or something. And he's never left town. Everything in his life has always been exactly the same. And then one day, Joe Mangliano uh, from Magic Mike and True Blood walks into the diner he works in and inspires him to get out on the open road and invites him to his birthday party in New York. But he's playing himself. He's playing himself, yes. All right. There's even like a gag where he goes, like he introduces himself and Pee-wee goes like, well, nice to meet you. And he goes like, and he goes like, well, you're kidding, right? And he's just like, no. And it's like, why would I know who you are type of thing? We just met type of thing. And he goes, he says like, yeah, you know, I was in True Blood. And he goes like, no, never heard of it, you know. So this one actually, I think, balances the tone the worst out of the out of the three of the, between the real and unreal. And partially it might be because it might have to do with the fact that there's so many references to things that currently exist and yeah. people who are not historical figures like Abraham Lincoln, uh, which it is a funny gag, him playing like this exaggerated version of himself and like him and Pee-wee, him and Pee-wee becoming best friends and ultimately and whatnot. Like there's, there's a lot of humor in that, but there's definitely some awkwardness in the execution, you know? I'll probably never watch it to be honest. Well, that's a real shame, man. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I didn't this... even know it existed, so. That's weird. Like, how did you miss this one? I mean, it was just like a, it, it was a Netflix movie. It didn't play in theaters. Yeah, so. I'm sure I heard about it at the time and then just lost track of it. But uh-huh. uh, I have never encountered it, like, in all my scrolling somehow. I mean, it's definitely, like, it's still good. I still like it. It's worth watching. It's not a candle to... Uh, other peewee no stuff it's just more peewee shit it is yeah it is more peewee shit and it's funny too because so judd apatow produced this movie and this is not the movie that paul rubens wanted to make he wanted to make a movie where uh peewee becomes uh a famous yodeling star and the fame goes to his head and he gets hooked on drugs and has to go to rehab that's pretty funny that's really funny you know like just, I mean, just even like the notion of like you're an international yodeling sensation, you know, who has like groupies and stuff. Yeah, I love the no the whole idea of like Pee Wee having to deal with like fame and like self destructing is cool, mm-hmm. and that was actually a uh, like a big key part of the uh, Weird Al Yankovic movie, and uh-huh. I think was uh, very well executed. I've not still haven't watched that yet, but I do want to see it. Even though I'm not really a huge Weird Al fan, I want to see that movie. Oh, I don't give a crap about uh, music spoofs, but uh, yeah. that movie is pretty cool, and it's a Roku nice. exclusive still. I don't oh. think you can watch it anywhere else. So. Well, that's because they, they it was their movie. They produced it. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that was the movie though that he wanted to make, which I think would have is a much more fun idea and obviously like separates itself from stuff that's come before, but Judd Apatow insists on it being like a road movie and like a, a wink back to the first one. Yeah, they probably leaned on him for that one. Yeah. Uh, Yodeling, I remember, used to be like a very like funny, kitsch kind of reference. Same right. with like Lederhosen and like, right, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. Or Polka or like, you exactly, know, just like yeah. this weird, yeah, like this weird niche thing that like some people liked a lot for some reason. Yeah, Enough. and if you referenced it, it was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Right. But I don't know if now like in modern times that would have landed as well but it could have been anything honestly like the whole point is not of like what he was a star for it's more like the the burnout and uh drug problem and all that would have been the where all the gags are i think it would work without like it still being like the reference to it to like this niche this niche niche joke you know from before because once again like what's funny is not the references to the time but like the absurdity of the situations like right him becoming famous for yodeling right even if you've never like heard of yodeling before right and this is your introduction to what yodeling is it's a funny notion that someone would become a megastar from doing it yeah right so that that is more of the gag than a reference to anything else i mean like obviously like we said before there are references to americana and things like that but they don't like they don't they're just kind of there they're not the joke itself right yeah it's creating the the atmosphere rather than the the than direct comedy yeah what would have been really funny is for him to be a uh like a world champion checkers player but, yeah or but something then like they that pre- yeah they present it in the same way as competitive chess where it's all these yeah. like stern like emotionless europeans and they're like hitting the little clock thing that would have been right. really funny yeah, something like that would have been... I'm a very funny. Like, I'm a Hollywood writer yeah. now. I've just there crossed we... <laughs> the picket line. Sorry, guys. Wow, a fucking scab. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, actually, that would have been funnier than... the. That would have been a better idea, too. I agree. As, as far as retreads go, it's a pretty enjoyable retread. Yeah. So, I don't have a ton to say about that one. It's also, like I said, like, that's one is, like, if you just go and look at the, the stupid, like imdbs and rotten tomatoes that one's higher up than uh big top peewee and that's baffling to me yeah so here's the thing and just to like rewind this a little bit i don't think big top is like exceptionally terrible i think it just has a lot more uh things going wrong and sort of like it definitely feels like uh it doesn't have the same sort of confidence and creative energy it's just very kind of like, okay, this is a movie version of something else. Sure, sure. And I'm with you on that. I mean, like, not 100%. I do think it's a better movie than what you're describing, but I understand and get everything you're saying and, and take that perspective. I guess possibly, too, since I've seen both of these movies, like, I'm not, like, watching one for the first time. Like, yeah, I can separate them a little bit better and not compare one to the other as much. You know, uh, like I said, there are individual moments in that that I that are, I think, as funny or like high. They're like some of my favorite Pee Wee moments. Just period. Yeah. Like um, what? Uh, the sandwich scene, the like the, in the like him like 
trying to order the sandwich. What a crappy sandwich, too. I know. That's also the thing, too, where it's just like, it's not even a sandwich, right? He wants it so bad, but it's literally yeah. like, it's just cheese and bread. Like, he didn't yeah. put it, I don't think he put any mayo or anything on no, it. No, no, no. And the, yeah, like throwing over the checkers to get to the bear, get to the pickles. That was and like every, funny. The huge production about it. And like, literally, what sells it to me is like, it's building up to him, like, Pee Wee's supposed to be feeling bad about like how he's disrupted things. And the guy goes, like, Are you happy? And he goes, like, Uh huh, yeah. And yeah. It's just like, and then the scene just cuts. That's hilarious to me. The, the egg salad stuff is really funny to me. Um, there's some uh, uh, the the what do you mean Mace scene where he just keeps asking, like Chris Christopherson is trying to explain something to him and he just keeps going like, well, what do you mean Mace? Well, what do you mean Mace? And it just keeps going on. It's like I mean it's a cheap gag, but I I am sometimes a sucker for those gags that just keep going on for so long that they become funny, you know? Yeah, Chris Christopherson as a straight man didn't work for me. Hmm. He was not. I don't know what it was about him, but he was not the right guy in that. Yeah. In that place, I did I'm like his him. wife though. The tiny little, yeah. the world's smallest woman. That's yeah. Kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's just stuff like that that works, and I like it, and I'm okay. You know. I loved uh, at the beginning when all the uh, farm animals were sleeping in beds with like, right? pajamas yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's good. The part where he like he feeds the. The, the birds you know yeah that see that felt like a peewee gag where he's like he's doing something weird and then it kind of backfires right yeah and he's like oh sure i'll chew up this worm just like the mama bird and he's like about to throw up like he does it so nonchalantly he's like i'm in over my head yeah yeah uh yeah well there's lots of stuff like that in it in it uh the kids like he's like take a picture to last longer, and the kids rip out the old timey cameras. Oh, and that's starts, hilarious! And he starts doing like the weird like like uh, pin up poses yeah. and whatnot. Uh, that's good. Uh, I'm drawing. I'm honestly like I'm drawing a blank on scenes. What's generally. wrong? You ran out of things to laugh no, at, huh? No, I still got more. <laughs> I watched it the other night, and I laughed all the way through. All right. All the way through. The hand slap, yeah, that's hilarious. That's really funny. That's really funny. And she's just walking around dinner with that fucking hand on his face. Oh yeah. god. When she's picking up when the uh his ex fiance is picking up the groceries for the circus and like the two old ladies are like, "How does she say so thin with like eating so much?" because they think it's all for her and the other one just like <laughs> goes like like sticks her finger in her mouth like suggesting she's bulimic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making, you know, that's it's it's that's a very unexpected scene from that yes. lady. So it's like it is hilarious, not necessarily in conception of itself, but because of who's doing it, right? Yeah, when you yeah you didn't see it coming, which is right. great. That's that's my favorite kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that, right? Yeah. You know, it has a weird cast. You know, I mean, like we mentioned Chris Christopherson, but there's also like character actors out the wazoo. Yeah, the dwarf guy from uh, Waxwork. Uh-huh. is in it he's not i he doesn't have a whole lot to do it's like i know a lot of people just like laugh because he's like a little guy and has right. a funny accent but he doesn't really have anything to do mm-hmm. he's but much also, funnier like, in wax work kevin peter hall's in it Michael yeah Combo's in the it predator himself yeah uh benicio Taro. i think it's his first movie wearing some uh, pretty cool makeup who there's like a bunch of like old recognizable old time old person character actors um, there's one or two other people in there that you'd like be like point to and go like, oh, that person. 
uh, Pee Wee's love interest is I forget her name, but she Pen- Pen- Penelope Ann Miller. No, no, no. Oh, not Penelope no, no. Ann Miller. The uh, the other one. The other one. <laughs> Gina. Yeah, she's from uh, like Hot Shots. Right. Yeah. So she's been in Hot Shots, the two Hot Shots movies, and this. Yeah. That's about it. But no, she's she, good. She does what she needs to do. Movies, but... Yeah, so overall, I'd say this movie is watchable, and that's where it stops. I would say it's beyond watchable. It's very and short. That, it's like, yeah, what? Uh, hour 20. Yeah. Um, it's it's be definitely, in my opinion, beyond watchable, but that's also the thing, too. It's like, okay, Pee-wee is still better than no Pee-wee, right? Okay, it's spoken like a true Pee-wee lover i mean he's just fun to see it's fun to watch him do stuff he's just you get happy seeing him go on i see peewee and i'm happy you're a simple man yeah that's really all i need somewhere there's a picture of me as a little kid wearing peewee pajamas which is just the suit in pajama form wearing a peewee mask and holding in my hand a talking peewee doll Somewhere there's a photo of an adult you dressed up like Pee-wee. Oh, there's plenty of photos of that. <laughs> I could pop the suit on right now. I still got it. It still fits? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. like a glove. Yeah, like rules. a glove. <laughs> Pee-wee's dead. It sucks. Yeah, he was uh, a very lovely person, seemingly, and he has great stories and was not real nice to people and stuff so mm-hmm. seemed like a good guy yeah i can't know for sure you know uh, right i don't like to have idols because you know who knows what they're like but yeah as far as his uh creative efforts he truly made a difference well yeah mo- mostly my admiration for artists and stuff it's not so much in the idle form so much as like i admire their work and sometimes they're very interesting they listen to them talk about things and yeah. their perspectives but in terms of like idolizing them as individuals that doesn't happen to me really that often and i like i said earlier i think a big thing was because he was so much he embodied this character so much it's like the character died right so we're not just mourning you're not just mourning the loss of a person you're mourning the loss of peewee himself yes so, seemingly the boy who never, the ageless character who would never die is dead. And if he can die, what hope do any of us have? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> on that note, uh, this is our tribute to Pee Wee Herman. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. We'll be back with something less relevant next week. Yeah. Or the week after or something. Yeah. Uh, there's, I don't a have... good, there's a good chance we'll probably do something like, uh, oh, I don't know. Just going off the top of my head, maybe uh, Rest in Peace Department from uh, 2013 starring Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. I I like that you like this gag. I don't necessarily like the gag, but I like that you like it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to spitball some ideas for future episodes. Okay. Well, that's that's just super. Anyway, that's it, guys. We're done with Pee Wee and other stuff. Thanks for listening. And Keith, what do you always say? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really have anything prepared for this one. Oh, my God. I call it a hot dog tree because, well, it's a hot dog tree. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone.
Over. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing. <laughs>